In the future, roving bands of comic book podcasts will savage the wasteland, once known as the Internet. One podcast, the Grawlix Podcast, may not be the biggest, may not be the funniest, may not be the most well-spoken. Wait, what was my point again? Oh yes, the Grawlix Podcast. Listen to it at GrawlixPodcast.com. That's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com. Cowabunga dudes, Michelangelo here from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original, thank you very much, and I'm Townsend Coleman, the voice of Michelangelo, telling you that you are listening to Bullspit with Moose. Hey, Paul, look over there at the size of that moose. Son, that's no moose. That there is a pile of bullspit. <laughs> Welcome, Moose Pack, to another all-new episode of Bullspit with Moose. I'm your host, Moose. Today's guest Moose. probably doesn't need an introduction, but it'd be rude Moose. not to give him one. Uh, as you can tell, it's a voice you've heard everywhere. Moose, my man Moose, yo! My man's Moose is in the house! <laughs> so, from Teen Titans, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ben 10, and many, many other great shows... Actor, producer, musician, and just all-around great guy, Mr. Greg Sipes. Blessings, everyone. Blessings. <laughs> and most importantly, Pluto the Buddha's wingman, G. Sipes. And there's wingman. <laughs> In Venice Beach. Oof. We're, right, we're right here on the boardwalk, man. I don't know how it is in Nebraska, Omaha, but it is basically heaven here. And, uh, you know, Venice Beach is one of the last free places on Earth. It's the most human diverse place on planet Earth. It's it's the haven for human expression and human freedom and art, artists everywhere of all kinds. So come on down to Venice Beach, yo. Get out of Nebraska, get to Venice Beach. And at this point, you can actually, if you wanted to, legally, you can actually take a tent and live for free on, on any of the the grassy, the grass areas, the little hills. And there's a lot of hills. So people who are, you know, ready to make a change in their life, you want to follow your dreams, you can come to Venice Beach with a tent and do it right now, legally. That's crazy. Allowed. Yeah, the things you so learn. A lot of people, a lot of people don't know that. But right now, you could actually come for live for free on the beach in Venice Beach, and you know, go for it. Huh? Takes, it puts a whole new it's spin the wild on west, beach man. bum. It's, yeah, it's the it's the wild west. Truly, it's pretty rad. And most of the time, it's pure harmony and thriving community and togetherness and art. I mean, it's also dangerous and deadly. But it's more good than bad, like everything, but especially here, it's more good than bad. Well, and there's, you know, every time you see like Venice Beach in media and stuff like that, it, it really is that last bastion of the like art uh, collective. There's the art, you know, the painters, the, the, the physical artists and stuff like that. It's just where, you know, artists can go be artists. 
That's why I'm here, man. It's I feel like it's ground zero for human evolution as well. Through art, we will create the new world we want to live in because what people hear and see is how their minds work, which therefore creates our reality. <laughs> Wingman's like, what's going on? <laughs> no, he knows everything that's going on. <laughs> everything. He knows everything beyond our understanding. So, you know, I follow you on Twitter and on Instagram. And over the last few years and everything, I've had, one question has been bugging me. Mm-hmm. How do you stay so zen, upbeat, and positive? I mean, with all the crazy that goes on in the world, <laughs> you, you just, you manage to put a positive spin on just about everything. And it's, what's the secret? I mean, that's something that should really be shared with everybody. That's. You're looking at it. You're looking at the secret. The more purely you can serve dog, the more the universe will purely serve you. You have to pick something. And for me, I've picked dog. And the more I purely serve him and get on his level of being pure presence, compassion, playfulness, innocence, loyalty, all the greatest qualities in the universe are in him. And the more that I can get on his level through serving him and aligning myself with his vibrational frequency and his consciousness, the more I'm aligned with the divine consciousness of presence. And I've learned from many religions, but the ultimate religion that I enjoy the most is through dog. I say, and, and it seems to work because, like I said, I mean, you are a very positive person. I mean, even when, like, the world is crashing down around you, you're just like, meh. If it's meant to happen, it happens. Well, I care deeply. I care deeply, and I get frustrated like anyone else does, only because I'm a human, and it's natural to feel angry, sad, disappointed, frustrated, um, irritated by the situations that, seem to be out of your control but what it what it comes down to is you actually are in control if you slow down take deep breaths and focus on what you want and not what you don't want solutions will then appear and you you'll be um showered with blessings and uh, inspiration i'm always inspired there's never a moment i'm not creating art and that really does still have to do with my guru here, Wingman G. Sipes. He puts me in the state of mind of being present. And, and in the present moment, divine communication occurs. And the closest you could ever be to being God or being one with God is through being creative, being a creator. So even on the outside of my vocal booth, you know, it looks like just, um, you know, for me, I, I really love the artwork. It took me a couple of weeks. But this is also my piece here. And a lot of my artwork is living. It's, it's kind of always changing and evolving. And then sometimes it just reaches the point where it's like, okay, it crystallizes like how a crystal does. And that's kind of how I'm seeing the, my life right now. I'm very much in a crystallizing phase of my life where a lot of the, the nutrients that I've absorbed through all the good things and the bad things that have occurred and the deaths and the re and the rebirths and the, everything in between. I feel like I'm now at a point where I can appreciate all of it 
and find the solutions within it all. And it really does come down to pure service of God. And you could find it through Christ consciousness, Krishna consciousness, Allah, Buddha, Yahweh, you know, worshiping a tree or whatever you want. But for me, the most enjoyable, you know, is serving dog. Because, man, they're just fucking best, dude. So are we going to add Painter to your list of credits? Because that, that piece behind you is really fucking cool. I love painting. I'm about to paint a lot more right here in Venice Beach and sell my art. I've sold a couple pieces just to fans. And I miss those pieces because you make them on time. And I feel like all of my art is... Is a big part of who I am, including it is all my characters that I play. You, you put so much to me, into but it's it. also I'm I'm here to give it away. I'm here to to offer it to the world, not to hold on to it. Well, I mean, yeah, you you put every piece you do, you put a piece of yourself into it, and then when you sell it or give it away, you know you you do want to see the you you want to see it go to a good home, and you want to see it. See, see someone be happy with it, but at the same time, you're just like, I put so much work into that. It became a part of who I am, and now that piece is gone. It's more about how fucking beautiful they were, and I like, I want to look at them with my own eyes. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy somebody else is getting to absorb them because they are really, truly. All of my art is full of love because the key to all my art now more than ever, and that's why I'm an enjoyer of my art more than ever before is that at the center of it is essentially wingman G. So speaking of creative endeavors, let's talk the ship it show. I mean, now you're a podcaster. <laughs> I guess I am. Yeah. And you, <laughs> I enjoy it all. I say you I and like the lovely medium. Tara strong have the ship it show. Yeah. Tara strong is a genius and I'm grateful to work with her and be a part of the ship it show with her and, we get to play every week, and there's a new episode that drops every Tuesday, and we go live, And but it's really catching along. Now, was that something that was born of COVID, or was like, did you have that planned pre-COVID uh, like lockdown stuff? Me and Tara, we're always coming up with ideas together. It's something we've, we developed for years, and COVID brought it to life. See, I was wondering, because it's like, it, it just seemed like COVID kind of helped birth that, because, well, you had time, you know, yeah. to just sit back and like, well, you know, maybe this is something we wanted to do, and, well, not working on anything else at the moment, so, hey, let's give this a shot. Well, more than anything, bud, is we never stop creating, and it's something that we were developing for years and we're always busy. There's never really a time where like, hey, nothing else to do. Let's do this. It's more like, what do we want to do? I'm at a point in my life where if I'm not passionate about it, then I'm not going to do it because life is so precious. Every moment, everything matters. Everything matters. Matter. Look at the word itself. It's all matter, right? Matter, matter, matter. But everything else matters. So... When it comes to work, it's like all the things I'm passionate about. I'm I'm now birthing while I'm I'm here and I'm enjoying that process. And the Ship It Show is something that is a lot of fun. It connects me with a lot of really cool people around the whole world. The, the cosplayers, the whole community, the Comic Con community, which is so vast and so wide and so rich in diversity. The show is really basically honoring 
humanity because humanity is really present at Comic-Cons. And what I mean by humanity is the best part of humanity, art, creation, imagination. Oh, yeah. it's Everyone comes together from all walks of life for the celebration of one thing that no matter what your fandom is, it's accepted at conventions. And, you know, it's the tie that binds, really. And, you know, for the longest time, people that went to conventions were looked at as weirdos and outsiders and geeks and things like that. And it's funny to see (laughs) this, like, renaissance of now it's kind of mainstream and accepted and stuff like that. It sure is. And to bring it back around, I'm just passionate about connecting and working with people from all around the whole world, whether it's Omaha, Nebraska, or South Africa, or wherever it is. I'm really making myself available to collaborate with, which for me is like the most fun. So that's why I'm here. I want to have a lot of fucking fun while I'm here. It's already been great, but it's getting more fun. Sounds like it. Yeah. Because art, making art is the most fun thing you could ever do. Of all, you know, art of all kinds from all angles. Whether you're behind the camera, in front of the camera, or drawing, or writing, or editing, or running somebody's social media or your own social media accounts. And it's all, you're giving a part of yourself to all of it. And it's so, it's all how you're arting. I think I'm going to steal that phrase. It's all how you're arting. Yeah, man. A lot of these words used to be in our vocabulary and they were used a lot. Like, how thou, how art thou? Those kind of things were deleted from the English language because the English, the English, the standard English language now is riddled with ghosts. Um, it's called programming. What you hear and see is how your minds work, which therefore creates a reality. So if you're using certain words that have meanings that you're not aware of but they're still affecting you that that right there is something to start to realize uh words are powerful our world is essentially created from words and buddha yeah man use your words wisely and realize there's ghosts in words like the word adult you know what the word adult means i always assumed it was just grown up look it up right now look up d-u-l-t one second. Hey, adult, look up D-U-L-T. Do-do-do. They have everybody wanting to be a, an adult. Can't wait to be an adult because I get this I get, or I get that. It's a scam, and the word in itself reveals it. What does it say, Moose? Um, let's see. I got a person who is fully grown or developed. No, D-U-L-T. That's right. My phone autocorrected it. One second. Mm-hmm. Grown into what? Here we go. A dunce. What the crap? Steered into what, Moose? A dunce? Grown into what? A dunce. The dictionary tells you exactly. Adult is a dummy. Man. This is all trickery. It's, it's all programming. <laughs> adult means a dummy. That's horrible. A dummy. A doll. They put the A and the adult together, but it still means the adult, a dummy. They tricked you with just adding the A to the front of the D. People are programmed by words, and it's time to use our words wisely and eliminate other other words that do not serve us. That's horseshit. 
<laughs> it's cool. It's a blessing to realize. You know what a kid is? Baby goat. No, man. A kid is a joke. Kidding. It's short for kidding. A kid is a, that's a kid. It means a joke. So to the people, the architects of the English language and the government system that we are under control of by their programming, they've programmed these words as essential words we use from very young. Essentially, we, we live by these words until you change them. But a kid means a joke. So to them, adults are dummies and kids are a fucking joke. And that's not how I see things. I think we are to grow in strength and to grow in wisdom and to, to grow and be strong and uh, connected to our roots and connected to our branches and our fruits and all these things. And children are the enlightened ones. Children are the innocent ones. Children are the ones that are coming with the new information from the stars to heal planet Earth, to, to make a change, to the new, the new updated versions of humanity. And that's why it's so important now more than ever that everyone is healthy, getting off of the poisonous dairy, which is blood and pus, liquid blood and pus, getting off of the dead meat, you know, the rotting dead meat, all these things lower your vibrational frequency and hurt the planet and hurt these innocent animals. And we're all connected. So there's, there's steps to be made. Don't be hard on yourself. Enjoy the process. It's an eternal ride, but definitely now's the time to get, become real life superheroes. See, children definitely have that innate creative spark. And imagination, which is yeah, our power. That we seem to lose as we get older. Unless you, like, harness it and uh, foster it as they grow. It's stolen, man. It's stolen. We don't lose it. It's stolen from us because your imagination is your most powerful tool. Your mind is how you create your reality through. It's like the um, the lens. No, I agree. If you, have a dirty, if you have a dirty lens, your whole reality is going to be blurry. Just blurry and askew. And you're easily taken advantage of. So I want everybody to become clear. Let's clear our lenses. Get rid of the dead animals. Become plant-based. Start to take care of, you know, exercising every day and uh, eating superfood salads and drinking good water and working with your community and friends to create art. And then we will be living in a new dimension together, a, a happier, holier, more joyous, celebratory energy. So now you've been acting pretty much your entire life, haven't you? Yeah. How did that come about? Because like I was reading that I, th I think it started with like commercials and then it moved to TV and then. Yeah, I started very young as a theater actor, probably at the age of like started in school like stage plays as a little boy probably very early like four or five years old my first kind of like stage play children's theater my fa my family was very supportive of me stepping into that that playful energy of being uh on stage and acting and putting on plays and getting into musical theater and singing and that's how i started to sing and find my own voice and in florida there's there's commercials and movies but not like LA it's very small as far as the amount that is happening there but mostly it's commercials flown around the world for cool commercials and had a lot of fun and then the real acting experience as far as finding the tools that are that work for me more than ever before are now just 
showing up in my life as I've become a teacher. I'm starting to actually truly flower the gifts that I've learned from great actors and great teachers along the way. I'm finally starting to realize them and bring these elements to my work now more than ever before. Well, and speaking of bringing elements to your work, I was talking to a friend of mine and we noticed that when I was telling him that you seem to be very zen in life, the characters that you portray, that bleeds over into the characters seamlessly, like Beast Boy and Michelangelo and just the other voices that you do. It's very much you. Yes. There's no denying the man behind the mic and th sure. that personality comes through and it's it's just really cool to see, especially like yeah. when you would hear Beast Boy talk, you're like, oh, that's a cool voice personality. Then you catch Michelangelo, you're like, okay, that's similar to Beast Boy. And then you find out that it's more your personality. And it's like, oh, well, that's awesome. Hmm. He gets to be himself, but as a different character. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so the, 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 the level of trust that kind of goes into that with the, uh, directors and everybody on the show is just awesome because i can't think of anybody better to voice beast boy than yourself well thank you i helped create him 20 years ago i created beast boy with sam register and, and the dc crew and warner brothers crew they gave me a lot of freedom to bring myself to the character from day one i never grew up watching or like i didn't read the comics so he was very fresh to me so basically I brought myself to the role and uh, with the ability to turn into every animal that's ever walked the face of the earth and have a pretty cool team of superhero best friends. And I just put myself into that space and Beast Boy was born. They said he's a class clown. He turns into every animal. That's all they gave me, essentially. And I didn't know anything about him. And, and yell out came his voice. I never did it before. And here I am now with thousands of hours of Beast Boy's dimension being brought to life through an animated expert team of animators so many times over and over with so many wild, weird worlds. And what I've created also now has spawned into a live action version of Beast Boy, who is basically just an, another version of my the Beast Boy that I created. And forever, Beast Boy will always be, you know, a big part of who Greg Sipes is because I helped birth him. I'm basically, he, I, I am him. So, Oh yeah. <laughs> At this point, Greg Sipes goes hand in hand with Beast Boy as much as, you know, Kevin Conroy goes hand in hand with Batman. It's, you know, your name will forever be entwined with that character because of the job and just the, way it was created and delivered you know they can recast beast boy tomorrow and somebody else can do it but for many people it will always be you as beast boy because that's you set the bar so high well not only that dude it'd just be somebody copying me so why the you know why the, it's like if they're gonna they're just gonna have somebody try to do my voice it sounds fucking stupid as hell and that's not <laughs> definitely it's not the thing to do and when they've tried it, it didn't work, you know, and it's not, and it's lame. And I, that's why I think people like Tara Strong and other voice actors have such longevity in their roles is because they, they make these characters who they are forever. It's like Mickey Mouse, until the guy, I forget his name, 
who voiced Mickey Mouse, but until he died, he was Mickey Mouse. He, he didn't change. You didn't. You don't change his voice. Every version of Mickey Mouse was Mickey Mouse. And when it comes to Beast Boy, I'm just having so much fun playing him in all these different dimensions from Teen Titans Go, from the original Teen Titans to the new Justice, Young Justice, Beast Boy, and on and on and on. That it, it really is. Um, it's so dear to my heart that that character because again, he is me. So. It, I'm very sensitive about it. I could I could get emotional about it. But what Beast Boy has also taught me is to be grateful for the fact that me and him get to work together. As much as I'm Beast Boy, Beast Boy is is also me. Um, he's given me a lot. Like I, you know, before I was Beast Boy, I didn't have the ability to have a dimension where I was able to turn into every animal and have this other dimension of people to to work with, from Batman to. Robin and Raven and Starfire and Cyborg, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like it really, the world's become real for you if you're taking it on the way I take it on as an artist. So for me, the, you know, Beast Boy is me forever and I can access these worlds that I've lived in, all these different dimensions in my third eye. So when I'm recording, that world becomes available. It sounds psychedelic and wild and weird, but basically that's how it is for every role that I play. I get to truly immerse myself into that role. So yeah, to bring it all the way back around, a big part of who I am is in all these roles. So it's very hard to disassociate with them on any level because I give my my all to it. Well, and then you really want to talk, you know, like psychedelic and party role, you get Michelangelo. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> he, he, he is the... Yeah, that was one of the most magical. You, you know, he's he, he's the surfer turtle. He is, I mean, if, if you were born to play a role, it's him. <laughs> and again, thank you. Thank you. And I, when I got that role, it, it was a long process of auditioning and et cetera. And Nickelodeon finally cast me for it. And my best friend, Sir Neely, created the show and really thought I would be perfect for Michelangelo as well. But they wanted something new and fresh. And I grew up on the 80s Turtles. But I haven't watched the 80s Turtles since the 80s. So it wasn't very, like, relevant as far as what I can access from what I remember what it was. The only thing I knew was that the Turtles inspired me to be who I am. So I'm I'm literally, I am a Ninja Turtle. So it made sense that once the opportunity to play Michelangelo came about, Mikey was already in me. He got me into surfing and skateboarding and meditation and martial arts and all these great qualities the turtles instilled in me from from Kevin Eastman's beautiful mind and uh, Laird. But I think Kevin, for me, is who it's all about. Michelangelo was the first turtle ever drawn. Nonetheless, I just brought myself to the role and I gave a whole new take on Michelangelo. There's never been a Michelangelo like the one I created with Nickelodeon. And now Michelangelo, the version that we created together, uh, the 2012 Michelangelo and those turtles, the whole team, Sean Astin's Raphael and Rob Paulson's Donatello and Seth Green and Jason Biggs's Leonardo. They're the, they're the iconic turtles now. They're the most well-known versions of turtles. They're the, they're the, the premium design. And it's also the biggest version of the turtles that's ever existed. So from now on, like when they did the reboot, the Rise of the Turtles or whatever it's called. And I'm grateful for that show because they gave me some work and I had some fun playing uh, an ancillary role on Donatello's back as uh, the fifth turtle in the form of a robot. What was my name? Sheldon. Yeah. Sheldon was cool. 
But the guy playing Michelangelo again is just trying doing a version of my Mikey. <laughs> so it was like, why why would you change something that was working? It was the biggest version. We sold a toy every 30 seconds, et cetera, et cetera. And they messed up and Rise of the Turtles or whatever this, the, the newest one was is already done. It only went two seasons. Instead of sticking with what works and growing and supporting that and letting it go strong. And, you know, these companies slowly, hopefully will learn to not change things, but to expand upon things that are working. Because like, like the Spider-Man universe, I don't, know, I don't know if you all are familiar with how many times you switch it up and up and up over and over. Every, every series is a different cast, a different look. You can never keep up and you wind up not caring. And that's what happens. If you're switching things up all the time, people don't care. It's not, it's not, this is the connection. Oh, yeah. People, fans need to demand that the, the art that they love so much stays connected. Well, see, and your version of the, the, the turtles you were on is the turtles mm-hmm. that my son was, got introduced to. So it yeah. was for him what the classic turtles was for us, you know, that <laughs> intro to the turtles. So, you're his Michelangelo, just like yeah. uh, Townsend Coleman was mine. Towns Towns is cool, by the way. He's I've met him and worked with him many times. He's such a sweetheart. But I've had him on the show, and yeah, he's a trip. I like that guy. But the guy after me, <laughs> I don't even I don't even know his name is, but it doesn't matter. Because um, for me, I think the Ninja Turtles is only going to get its redemption. If 2012 turtles come back and get supported, and I'm talking, if there's going to be another stupid Michael Bay movie, which was also just a stupid thing that they did when our show was at its height, the show that your son grew up on, and the show that again was the biggest Ninja Turtles birth of all time out of, out of all of its versions. It made more money than any other version. We sold a toy every 30 seconds for like three years. It was the most watched because of the, the time, the way Nickelodeon was positioned. Yeah, with its network and everything, it was pushed and watched. This is before streaming services. All of these things really, um, the timing was right for the show to hit. Uh, it's just there's also a really cool, fun little fact to know: the the 2012 Ninja Turtles was worth more than Nickelodeon itself because of our show. Jeez, they, they bought the, they bought the Ninja Turtles, the license for Ninja Turtles for like. Um, it was like a lot of money. I forget what it was. It was like $20 million or $30 million or something like that. But our show, they, it took a $30 million property and our show, it made like a trillion dollars. It was worth more than the, it was worth billions of dollars because of the 2012 turtles. So what happened was the toy companies and Nickelodeon got greedy <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and they're like, we want to sell more toys. And instead of, again, staying connected to the thing that's working, they're like, let's do a whole other line of toys. Let's give it a whole new look and change it all up again and sell more toys. And that didn't work. So I always thought that series uh, ended prematurely. Ours? Yeah. It wasn't to end. It wasn't to end. The show should still be going right now, like Teen Titans Go. We're on like 300 or 400 episodes. The, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2012 world because it was rooted in the original it was rooted in because Ciro Neely is an expert genius warrior artist who always made it off as authentic and fun and rad as possible that's why that show is really it's a beautiful thing to watch every episode is like a movie the way that 
CG animation is and the coloring and the designs, the props, everything about it. It's like a little mini movie. In Rise of the Turtles or whatever the new one is, it's not that it's bad looking. It's actually kind of cool looking. It's just, I don't know, not many people care. I, I noticed that it it started, you know, there was the not my turtles and all this stuff going on. It's like, man, that's like, it, it, it seemed really harsh. And people work very hard on making stuff. So I never want to discredit these animators. I know how hard it is to make cartoons. Making a cartoon is very hard. It's very difficult. To have a hit cartoon is even harder. So every version of all these cartoons demands a certain amount of respect. Not that you have to watch them, but man, it's 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 very hard to make a great looking cartoon. And a lot of these cartoons that aren't as popular as some of the original or the ones that are big hits still are cool and they deserve respect as far as the people who worked on them. All the animators, the writers, and to make anything is difficult. So it might not be the premium version of the show and the iconic version of the show that people took a swing at and didn't hit a home run with, but it's still cool. And it's, and if anything, making a cartoon is better than not making a cartoon as far as for the world. So the more well, cartoons, yeah. the better. I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm just being honest with my opinion about things. I'm just also saying in the end, it's really rad to make art. So make as many cartoons as you can, everyone. Well, and yeah, I mean, you also don't know as the creators of the show, you don't know what the response is going to be. You don't know if it's going to be a hit. You know, you have this idea for a show. You want to give it a shot. So let's, and you don't know if it's going to be good or bad until you put it out. So you can either live with the idea that, oh, people might hate this and not do it. Or just say, put the show out and see what happens. And you got to put food on your table. Money comes into play. Exactly. A lot, of, a lot of people that I know, a lot of showrunners that I know are taking jobs, not that they even want to do them, which is very sad because that reflects into the art. They do their best, but still they're not really passionate about it. They take jobs because you have to put food on your plate. And it's still, again, you're making cartoons, so it's rad. You're getting paid to make a cartoon, so you can't really complain. But a lot of people working in the animation industry are doing um, stuff to just put food on their plate. And you got to understand that too. But when, when the 2012 Ninja Turtles was made, Ciro Nieli put, it was blood, sweat, and tears. It wasn't about money. He slept under the desk for a year and a half in development. I, I, I was there. He just he relentlessly worked on a masterpiece. And that's what the 2012 series is. Well, so you, you could definitely tell there was a lot of work that went into it. I mean, it... it <sighs> the the stories were deep and involved and like there always seemed to be an overarching experience throughout the episodes so something that happened in this episode might come back four or five episodes later you know and especially in 2012 that didn't really happen a lot in cartoons a lot of them were one and dones or if it did happen it was a lot more on the surface like ice cream kitty Come on. I mean, it's something small, but, you know, Ice Cream Kitty popped up a lot later. And you just figured it was this. Yeah, because Ice Cream Kitty is so cool. You know, yeah. And you just figured, okay, there's going to be this little mutated cat that lives in their freezer now. We're never going to see it again. Nope. We did. You know, even to the point where I got to save Ice Cream Kitty. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I did the most 
fucking rad music video. I, I produced and wrote a song called uh, Ice Cream Kitty for the show. And it's on YouTube and it's amazing. And they animated it. They spent a lot of money animating it. Check that out. Before I move on to another character you did, th- there's a-, a scene in uh, early Teen Titans that is kind of reverse meta now. It's, it's fucking hilarious. It's in the episode where Cyborg is trying to do everything like he upgraded himself. And it's basically the tortoise and the hare story. Beast Boy's trying to tell him, you know, sometimes slower is better. I think he has to take on like the multipliers or something. So you end up, uh, he has to multiply everybody to take him on. But at the end of the episode, and this is before you got cast as Michelangelo, Beast Boy looks at the camera. Well, right before this, Cyborg is like, you know, yeah, sometimes slower is better. And Beast Boy looks right at the screen and goes, yeah, turtles are cool, bro. And then now it's really funny to go back and watch that because, you know, it's like, yeah, that's funny because he's Michelangelo, you know? <laughs> good good catch, man. That's cool that you're 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 aware of all the, all these cool interto- intertwined um, things. Now, did you read any comics as a kid? Very little. I was more into nature, building tree houses, surfing, you know, playing around the neighborhood, going on my moped, which eventually made it into Beast Boy's world. I, I was a, a moped lover as a boy. I love, I mean, still, I, I want to cruise on a moped. We'll see. I need and- to buy a moped. I can't believe I don't have a moped, but we did many episodes about Beast Boy loving a moped, and that yeah. came from my life. Um, <laughs> And I had a couple comic books like Superman and things like that, but I was never too deeply into to anything other than you know I, I liked the movies, the the original Superman movies. I was in love with those movies. Those they're just masterpieces. I feel. I think it's one of the reasons why I can't really watch any current day anything for that matter. It's very hard for me to watch things. That's why I'm creating a bunch of my own content now. I'm producing a lot of shows, creating a lot of shows, putting them out. On Venice Beach TV, which is a new network that I'm rolling out. It's like Adult Swim meets MTV, but in Venice Beach, it's a community-based television network. So people are contributing editing and pre-existing content that they have, whether it's documentaries, animations, shorts, music videos, anything for that matter uh, works because it's Venice Beach. And Venice Beach is the true United Nations of the world. So Venice Beach TV is where I'm putting out a lot of my content, and it's really fun well, and that's definitely a healthy way to do things. I mean, there there's the people who look at things and it's like, well, this isn't what I grew up with, so I can sit back and complain about it. But that's not what you're doing. You're like, I don't necessarily think this is up to snuff you know, with what I liked. So I'm going to go go out and create my own shit. That's right. You know, that's a healthy attitude to have. As opposed to just sitting back and be like, bah, 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 this this sucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even when it comes to the government, I'm not sitting back and saying this sucks. I am pointing things that need to be pointed out that are wrong. Like we live in a a gov in, in America, which is a two party system, but it's really one party. It's one elite party with two different names. And I point that out, but I'm also providing, I'm looking for solutions and highlighting as many solutions as possible. And there truly are a lot of solutions available. Oh, yeah. But no, the reason I asked about the comics is <laughs> there's, there's another character you play that is just spot on with your personality. You, you do Danny Rand, Iron Fist. 
And yeah, it fits, part of who I am. Yeah, it fits very much with that Zen martial artist style. And it's like, you know, for a guy who's who doesn't read a lot of comics, you've definitely been blessed with the uh, jobs you've gotten. I mean, born to play Michelangelo, Beast Boy is your baby. And you embody Danny Rand. So Thank you. <laughs> Beast Boy, I'm the first ever actor to play Beast Boy, so I got to birth him. And that way, like you said, he's my baby. I'm also the first actor that's ever played Iron Fist. So in a way, Iron Fist is also my baby. And the live-action version of Iron Fist, again, is just a version of me. I mean, he made a live-action version of it. I should have played this character in the live-action It probably would have went show. over better. It would have went over better. It would have been authentic because I am a Zen master. I am a martial artist. I care. I helped create the character. Again, when I read for Danny Rand, they said it was for some other character, like some ancillary. They're keeping it top secret, like the name of the character. I didn't even know who I was auditioning for. I just brought myself to the character. I come to find out that they're giving me the opportunity to birth a character that's never been brought to life. And, I, and I, again, they, they hired me because I, they knew that I am into meditation. And I love Danny Rand. I love Iron Fist so much. I got to really tap into my experience and bring that to the forefront of this character's life. And even the way he looks, I know right now it's hard to tell with my beard and my my cornrows, but they designed they designed the character based on me. That's awesome. The new the version of Iron Fist that I played on Ultimate Spider-Man is based on my my likeness. And then, sure enough, they took that and they made that into the live-action version. See, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. And that's the key, learning something new every day. I'm honored. I'm saying I'm honored. And it's oh, a yeah. wild experience to see it start and then be reborn and reborn and reborn and reborn in these different uh, realms. And that's that's the story of an artist. Any artist, oh, yeah. you, you got to give yourself to it all and let it go and let it live and, and be aware that... You are all things. You're never not going to be connected to it. And it all matters. So thanks for having me on your podcast, my brother. I got to run. I got a whole bunch of recordings to do. So before I let you uh, go, you got any uh, projects coming up that you can talk about? Venice Beach TV is something I really would love for everyone to check out. And it's, again, Adult Swim meets MTV. I spent about half a million dollars on making a whole bunch of new cartoons and comedy series and all kinds of cool stuff and you'll see amazing artists that I'm featuring and uh, everything that I'm outputting personally right now will be on Venice Beach TV. So please check it out. And I think you're going to love it. I'm working with the coolest up and coming animators. You might know some of some of them, but a lot of them, I don't think you will. I've handpicked them from around the whole world and I work on original stuff with them. And I'm also tapping into pre-existing content that you've never seen and packaging it into these cool entertainment blocks where all you got to do is hit play and sit back and enjoy. All right. And where can listeners uh, keep up with your social medias and wingman's social media? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every, everywhere at Greg Sipes, G R E G C I P E S. And that's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, everywhere. Greg Sipes listeners. Those links will be in the episode description. And you can find me at electronicmediacollective.com or on Twitter at Moose Media Inc. Greg, it was a blast having you on today. And 
you know, if we had more time, we could probably just sit and shoot the shit all day because you are a very likable guy. <laughs> Thank you. I like you too, Moose, and I'm open to coming back on the show. I'd be honored. I really enjoyed talking to you. You're a great interviewer, and I'm sure the audience appreciates you like I do. So thank you again, everyone. Yep. Thank you. Peace, love, and animals. And listeners, if you didn't hear it here, it's probably just a load of bull spit. So until next time, take it easy. Ooh-wee, that sure was some bull spit, but I sure had fun. Junior, you need some help. Be sure to tune in next time. 